about a couple that met, there we are, a couple that met in high school. They got married, and one day he said to her, I have a confession to make. And she says, what's that? He says, before you, I was in the arms of another woman. And she was shocked. And he explained to her that was his mother. Uh, I wanted to share with you some thoughts this morning about Mother's Day. My wife said to me, it's communion. You're going to be a little shorter? I said, well, we'll see. (laughs) Um, My wife is always a good checkmate. If I seem a little tired this morning, we've spent four days with two very, very active grandchildren. 11-year-old that gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning and does not go back to bed. And that was Grandpa's responsibility. And then I had a wedding yesterday, so it's been a busy, busy week, and I appreciate, I feel it in my, in my voice already that I'm feeling a little bit uh, tired, but that's okay. I believe in my heart there's no higher calling in life than being a mother, even above fatherhood. I think in our society today, we've kind of downgraded that because, uh, be a homemaker, what's that mean? We've changed that. Some have changed that to I'm a domestic engineer. <laughs> I'm a family manager. You can call it whatever you want. It's motherhood. And I thought of many, many stories in the Bible about mothers that uh, I could speak on this morning. There's Sarah, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus, there's Hannah, there's Rebecca, and it goes on and on and on about people that we could share about And um, I I wanted to share a little bit about uh, Eunice and Lois, Timothy's mother. We're not told a lot about them, but just a few thoughts that come to my mind in life. You know, my life, I've been influenced by a number of people. I've had some pastors that have been very influential in my life. I go back and treasure those moments I've had with some Pastors that have been my pastors through the years, and I and I love that. I've had friends that have been very close to me. I have one friend particularly that goes back uh, probably 60 years now, because we met when I was in my early teens. Well, I'm not over 70. I'm just 70, but in my early teens we met, and we still have contact uh, occasionally, and try to keep maintain a little bit of contact. I've had other influences in my life. My my life partner, my wife, has been a very, very strong second to mom. She's probably been the most influential in my life, and I want to share a little bit about that in just a, just a few moments. But I, I look back and watch through the years how mom has influenced my life, and my mom passed away 16 years ago. And I'll, I'll share a little bit about that in just a few moments, but... Um, Mom, mom had a very stabilizing influence on my life. My father died uh, 38 years ago now. So when dad died at 57 years old, the influence of my life at that point was mom. And uh, I, I, I wear a tie this morning for mom. Because mom would have a fit if I was standing in the pulpit without a tie on. <laughs> Which I have done in recent years. But but I but I stop and evaluate the, the the influence it's had on my life through the years and the life of my siblings through the years, and I just thank God for the memory of Mom. I, I want you to think about Timothy for a moment. 
In Acts chapter 16, we see uh, Paul meeting Timothy. And if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 16 before we come to 1 Timothy, or pardon me, uh, 2 Timothy, we'll look at Acts chapter 15 just for a moment. Just just a little uh, hint of what life must have been like in Timothy's life as we look at this particular chapter or particular verse, actually, in Scripture. It says in, in verse uh, 1, he came to Derby, and, and there he found, uh, there was a disciple there named Timothy. Now listen to the, the description here. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer and a father who was a Greek. The first thing I think about when I look at Timothy's life, he had a believing mother. He had a mother who had saving faith. Hold on to that point for a minute. Saving faith. In the King James Version, it says believed. Here it says a believer. I, I like that. I like that scenario. One who had placed her faith and trust in God. And you'll notice this throughout her life. Not just for her life, but it goes back to her mother's life. And then that's passed down to her son's life. What a, what a legacy we have here. It says in Romans chapter six, uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's Paul's second missionary journey. So we don't know exactly when, uh, his mother was saved. Probably maybe even the day of Pentecost. We don't know that. But he comes to this church on his second missionary journey. And he finds this disciple who's described as the son of a believer and whose father is Greek. So I would suggest to you, if you read this, uh, and we're not told any more than that, in a Greek society, she had freedom to move and, 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 and uh, believe what she wanted, but she was a Jewess and she knew that heritage in her life. I remember Paul and Silas being in jail and then in chapter 16, a little later on this chapter, they, when the jail broke open, they said, what must we do to be saved? And, and they said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Faith is an active principle for me. Faith is something I just don't accept as, uh, as Dormant, it's faith is something that needs to take place in, in and through my life, in every area of my life, as I wait and trust on God's principles in my heart. It's an understanding, but it's also a will. It's what I practice in my life. It's the confidence of absolute trust of the truthfulness of the statements of God, and then beginning to apply that in my heart and my life. But let me say this, just, just perchance there's somebody here that doesn't know what that faith is all about. It's, it's understanding that by our own strength, we cannot reach God. In my own strength, I can do nothing to better my relationship with God, but I need to, first of all, trust in who he is. It says um, in Romans chapter 3, no man seeks after God, but God seeks after us. And when God seeks as, after us, we need to, to put our faith and trust in him Repent of sin and ask God to do that work in our hearts and in our lives. 
And then God begins to do a transformation work in me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves, as a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast. Think about that. We're saved by through, through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, the greatest gift that God could ever offer us. And the greatest gift that we've ever been offered is the fact that, uh, that it's a, a gift of God's grace to us. Not only a saving faith, but I think it was a solitude faith too, solitary faith as well. Because she lived with an unbelieving man. I want to say a couple of things here. First of all, to you who are not, are not married yet, be careful, be careful to pick uh, a man or woman that loves God. I have a policy as a pastor. I have a policy. I will marry two believers and two, or two unbelievers, but I will not marry a believer to an unbeliever knowingly. I mean, sometimes they, I've had some people say, I know the Lord, and later on in life you, you, want, you really wonder. But, but that's their heart. I have to judge what I see and what I, and, and generally, not always, but generally, unless it's uh, later on in life, I insist on premarital counseling. And I, I pray that I can instill some principles in my, from my life into their life that can help in a relationship. So first of all, I want to say to you that, that are not married yet, be careful, be careful who you date. My daughter one time wanted to date a, a, a fella in the community, and I said to her, I said, sweetheart, I want you to go into to your room, and I want you to write down all the qualities you're looking for in a, in a husband someday. And she looked at me and said, Dad, I don't want to marry the guy, I just want to go with him. <laughs> and, but she did that. She went in there, and she, she spent some time writing down all the qualities she's looking for. And I said, now, now, when you're talking with this young man, I want you to consider the qualities that you see here. And do you see those qualities in that young man? Because I would like you to consider anybody you date as a potential mate someday. And it really, I think, paid off. Although she did have difficulty in the relationship later, I look at that and say, if I can somehow steer my kids... And, and allow God to work in their hearts and their lives to know what they're looking for in a potential partner. It can be really, really helpful as I, as I move through life and as I date. I also say to those who are in a relationship that uh, maybe your husband or wife are not saved, I, I say don't leave that relationship. The Bible is very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter Seven, that we should not leave that relationship, but we should live our lives in such a way that God would be honored in the way you live. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13, if a woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of the wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of the husband and and so forth. And so I say to you, live your life as honoring God. And I would suggest to you that that's probably the life that we would see in in unison and her mother Lois as they live their lives is pleasing to the Lord. And I see this because of the outcome. We're not again, we're not told a lot about them. But if you find yourself alone, 
If you find yourself without a partner who who shares those values, live those values in your own heart and your life, and allow that testimony to be a testimony to him and also to your children as you walk through life and allow God to use you in a very special way. We see people in the Bible that stood alone, and I, I just refer to one, Daniel. Not not in marriage, but Daniel stood alone, and he went to that window, even though he knew it meant that he would probably be uh, killed or whatever. He, st- he went to that window and he prayed and he, he stood by God's word and, and allowing God's spirit to work in, her, in his heart and his life. Spurgeon's father is told, was told, was going out to speak to a group of people. And as he was going out to speak to a group of people, he, he was really burdened. I, I'm so concerned for others. What about my own family? So he turned around, he went home, he went into the house, and it was silent, he couldn't hear anything, and he heard his wife's voice. So he quietly went upstairs and realized it, it was his wife praying. Now this is Spurgeon's father, Charles Spurgeon's father. And he heard his wife praying for their strong-willed child, Charles. And he, at that point, said, my family's in good hands. And he went on to his speaking engagement and carried on in life. I want to say this to you. I have appreciated the relationship that my wife has with her God. I've appreciated the fact that I know at certain times of day when she's back in her little, I call it her prayer room, And I go and take a peek. I I see her there. I know that she's praying. And I know that she consistently prays for her children. And I pray. I know that she prays for me. And I thank God for a wife that is a praying wife. And allowing God to work in her heart and her life. Now, let's take a quick glance to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Really where I'd like to spend the rest of the time in, in 2 Timothy. Here's a young man that we know was used mightily of God. Here's a young man that uh, Paul referred to him as his son. And, and I, I would suggest to him, I suggest to you that he was the, um, the uh, spiritual father of Timothy. The gentleman that I was saved under considered me his spiritual son. And I thank God for his memory. He's uh, since gone to be with the Lord. But I thank God for his memory and thank you, thank God for what he met in my heart and my life through, through the years. Now look at second, or probably second Timothy. I'm in first. Second Timothy chapter one and verse, let's go down to verse five. He said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. The faith that dwelt first in your mother Lois and your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now in, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. Uh, So I'm going to suggest my third point is the, the sincere faith. Remember the story of, that I told you about um, Spurgeon's father. I, I pray that 
the, the faith that I have is the faith that I live. I, I want it to be genuine. I want it to be sincere. If I were to offer you some money, this, oh, I got too much in here. <laughs> Better not let my wife see that. <laughs> oh, there's another one. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Haven't been to the bank yet to put it in. If I were to offer you this or this, what would you take? Left or right? What? Same, same quality, isn't it? Same quality as your favorite? It's pretty good. in my heart to to place me in that place where I know what the reality is in my heart, God will do that same in my life. I pray that my faith is out without hypocrisy. I pray that if you were to walk in, I pray that if I were to walk in your workplace, people would know where you stand. And if they don't, I think it's a, a moment of reflection and saying, what's the real value in my faith? My faith should be not just here on Sunday morning worshiping God. And I, I thank God for your faith and your trust in, in the Lord and in his strength. But my faith should work itself into every part of my workplace as I honor God in what he desires in my heart and my life. Not just lip service. I call it lip faith. <laughs> but actually genuine, sincere desire to honor God in every part of my life. It's a faith that works by love. It's a real genuine faith, not a pretending, not a, not, not a counterfeit, but just a, not a mask that I put on Sunday morning where I'm around other believers, but it's a genuine relationship before God. And this is the kind of faith that both Eunice and Lois had, I believe, but but let's go one step further. It was it was not only grandma. Never ever ever devalue the relationship you has a, as a grandparent. I spent we spent four days with my two youngest grandchildren. It was tiring. I I'll admit that I was tired. 
But, you know, I said to my son and his wife when they got home, I said, what a delight just to spend time with these kids. And the little one, the little one, um, what does he call me, Pop? No, he hasn't got Grandpa down. He hasn't got Papa down quite, but it's Papa, Papa, <laughs> Papa, and, and Grandma. Grandma. No, not even Grandma. It's not even that clear yet, but we know what he's saying. And what a thrill that is to hear them trying to express that. And what a thrill when they come and give you those hugs. And what a thrill when, when we realize that we have a small part, just even if it's just a small part of that relationship with, with our kids and with our grandchildren and thanking God for all that he has done in, in our lives and in their lives. The, the Greek grammar here indicated something specific that might have occurred that reminded Paul of Timothy's faith. Now, listen, I'm taking it down the next generation, three generations here. Grandma, mom, and now it says here, and this is, this is, the, this is the context here, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy. He gives all due credit to the past. He, he, uh, he, we know that that's true in, in Lois's life and Eunice's life, but here in Timothy. Don't ever find yourself relying on the faith of your mom or your grandma or your great grandma. Faith comes by hearing, you heard me say a minute ago, and hearing by the word of God. He was trained by his mom, who was trained by her mom. But Timothy applied the word of God to his heart and his life. What a thrill to think that maybe someday, I know that both of my two older grandchildren have accepted the Lord. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying now for the third. We're praying. He's only, he's not even two yet. But we're praying for the third. I remember my daughter-in-law when all three of her kids were in the womb praying and reading scripture and singing songs to them because she says, I want them to come out <laughs> hearing God's word. And we don't want an impact that has on their lives. I, I also think of my own mom. As I think of not only that that sincere faith, but it was a it was a uh, secure faith as well. Sincere and secure. There's two different things here. Sincere, but also secure. It dwelt first. Dwelt first. It was it was indwelling. It was lived in. He's a third generation. Both his mom and grandmother preceded him in faith. A very, I, I believe, probably very quiet, pious women, but loving the Lord with all their heart and their, their lives. And, they, and they've witnessed that throughout life. Train up a child, it says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he not depart from it. That doesn't mean they'll never, ever go their own way. They're going to go their own way at times. But that, that teaching that you gave them will always be there somewhere in the back of their minds. And I thank God for that. I thank God for the, the times that my wife has been alone because I've been out in ministry someplace, and she's just prayed, and she's taught the kids, and and as we've taught the kids together, God has honored that, and God will continue to honor that in our hearts and our lives. That that indwelling faith, that trust in God in everyday life. My mother, it's kind of an emotional day. We lost 
Nancy's mom last November. That's the last parent. That was tough. Uh, love my parents. Love my in-laws. I just had a great relationship with my mother and father-in-law as I did with my parents. But, but I, I go back 16 years ago when my mother passed away and I got the call one Wednesday night that I needed to come quickly because there wasn't much time. I got there about one o'clock in the morning and, and, uh, my siblings at that point, there was eight of us. My older brother passed away two years ago. And, uh, I said to the older ones, my brother Tim had come from Sarnia and, uh, I said to the others at one thirty, I said, why don't you guys go home and we'll, 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 we'll set up a shift here to be here 24-7 until she passes. So we did that. I said, I'm going to stay the night. And my younger brother, he traveled with me, so he didn't have a choice. And so we stayed the night. One sister stayed too. She insisted she had to be there, and so she stayed too. And uh, my mom woke up in the night, and I was sitting beside her, kind of half asleep in the chair. And she said, where am I? I said, Mom, you're at the Osho General Hospital. Oh, I'm back to sleep. She woke up a few minutes later and she looked around and she said, what are you doing here? I said, Mom, I've come from, I was living in Otterville at the time, I've come from Otterville because we believe God's calling you home. I want to be here. Oh, she woke up in the morning and I was trying to feed her a little food. And I said, Mom, and my brother, my brother was struggling spiritually at the time. And I said to Mom, and I don't know why I said this. I said, Mom, when you woke up in the night, you, you woke up a couple of times. You asked me a couple of questions. I said, first, do you remember waking up and saying, where am I? I said, yeah. Do you remember waking up and saying, what are you doing here? She says, yeah. I said, what were you thinking? She says, well, I thought I was in heaven. <laughs> I didn't expect you to be there. That, that was the sincerity of her faith. She believed with her heart that God was calling her home. We didn't have quite the same experience with Nancy's mom. She was not able to communicate with us. Though I was able to read two days before she passed away, I was able to read the 23rd Psalm. And there was some... There was some indication she was hearing that because she turned toward me. And that's what I used as I preached her uh, last message, her funeral service. Folks, if you're ever in a situation where you're not getting much response, the doctors have told me many times that hearing is the last to go. Read and pray and seek God's direction. When my father-in-law was passing away, not much response, but I just sat one afternoon and just read scripture to him because I knew that would be, if he, if he could get anything out of that, if he was hearing anything, that that would be the most meaningful thing for him in life and in death. That, that illustration of my mom has just, it just, it just hits me. I hope that that's as I die someday. I hope the kids see that in me. I don't know what that'll be like. I really don't. <laughs> we don't know until the time comes. But that genuine faith and trust in God in all things. I must move on here. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. 
says in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God as profitable for teaching, for reproof and instruction in righteousness. If, if I understand that, God's word will begin to work in my heart. And he says to Timothy in verse 14, as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. My last point is it's a shared faith. It's a saving faith, solitary faith, sincere faith, secure or or sojourning faith, you might say, and finally a shared faith. Be careful that what you're sharing in life is faith in Christ. We take a lot of teaching for our kids. We learn learn many, many values in their lives, but I wonder how much we put in practice the absolute trust and faith in God for all things. I believe today my my son is preaching the gospel because partly because of his faith of his mom, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Andrew shared with his brother. And if you look at John, and we're not going to take time to do that this morning, but if you look at First John, you'll notice that... Uh, each disciple was was encouraged by a disciple before. I pray that God will work in our hearts in that way as well. Spurgeon said, Charles Spurgeon said this, Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. And I, asked, and I add to that godly wife. Timothy means... One who fears God. Do you? Is it evident? I pray so. Would you, if you have a mom today, just let her know how much you appreciate what she's done for you. If you, like us, parents have passed on, just take time to reflect. Take time to thank God for what they mean to your heart and your life. As Dan and the Elders, deacons, come to serve. I just pray that you'll just be ready to to let God respond, that you respond to God as God speaks to your heart. Father, thank you for your goodness and your faith, our faith and trust in you. Lord, just guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.